0: To do whatever you want to, to do whatever you want to sing this in one voice.
1: Come on. Well, good morning, Foothill Family Church. It is an pleasure to be with you this morning. I hope you are comfortable. I hope you have a cup of coffee or whatever beverage you are enjoying this morning. Would you make sure to hit that share button down below. Start a watch party. Spread the gospel. Send the word of God around the world this morning. Do your part. We love you. We miss you. We look forward to being back together soon. Would you join us in worship this morning?
2: This is the day that you have made. Whatever comes, I won't complain, for all my hope is in your name, and now your joy awaits my praise. Give thanks for all you have done, and I will sing of your mercy. And Set my feet on high in your ground. So here I stand. You are my God, your faithfulness, my solid rock. I give thanks for all.
1: you thankful this morning praise you heavenly father today is the day the lord has made and i will rejoice and be glad in it amen that doesn't have any bearing on where you're sitting and watching the service on whatever's going on but today is the day that the lord has made so rejoice and be glad father we thank you for this time of worship Thank you that you inhabit the praises of your people, God. And where we go, you go with us. We love you, God.
2: When the ground beneath my feet gives way And I hear the sound of crashing waves All my world is washing out to sea hidden safe in the god who never moves holding fast to the promise of your truth you're holding tighter still to me oh the rock won't move and his word is strong the rock won't move and his love can't be undone oh the rock won't move and his word is strong The rock won't move and his love can't be undone. The rock of our salvation. My hope is in the promise of your blood. I support within the raging flood Even in the tempest I can sing I'm hidden safe in the God who never moves Holding fast to the promise of your truth You're holding tighter still to me Oh, the rock won't move and His word is strong The rock won't move and his love can't be undone. Oh, the rock won't move and his word is strong. The rock won't move and his love can't be undone. The rock of our salvation. I stand on other ground, the sinking sand, the rock won't move, no, the rock won't move. And when darkness seems to hide his face, I rest in his unchanging grace, the rock won't move, no, the rock won't move. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand all the ground, the sinking sand, the rock won't move. No, the rock won't move. And when darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanged. No, the rock won't move and his word is strong. The rock won't move and his love can't be undone. No, the rock won't move and his word is strong. The rock won't move and his love can't be undone. No, the rock won't move and his word is strong the rock won't move and his love can't be undone the rock of our salvation Stand on the ground, sinking sand. The rock won't move. No, the rock won't move.
3: Lord Jesus, we magnify you, the rock of our salvation. Hallelujah. We glorify your name. In you, we live and move our have our, and have our being. In you, we are more than conquerors because of Christ who loves us. Hallelujah. We rejoice today. We thank you. We bless you. Hallelujah. You're the rock of our salvation because we're founded on the Word of God in times of storm, in times of famine, in times of challenge. We are unmoved because we know that you are our rock, you are our fortress, oh Lord, and you we trust. Amen, amen. You know, I have, ever since the Holy Spirit spoke to me, this to my heart, probably 10 days ago, I have every day been thanking God, and I want to encourage you to to thank God that we live in the state of California. I see on social media all the time, people are talking about, oh, the state of California, commie California. You know what I say? Thank God that we have the opportunity to pray for this state, to be in this state, to stand for this state, to live in this state, to... uh, to be on the front lines, as it were, in, a, in an environment that is not church-friendly, not so church-friendly as other parts of our country. You know, where their darkness is great, the light shines greater. So, um, you know, in the Bible, when the church was persecuted, uh, when the church uh, faced adversity, they rejoiced, they rejoiced in that persecution. They rejoiced in that adversity so that they had the opportunity to, to stand up for the truth, to stand up for the name of Jesus. And so let us do the same. Amen. Hallelujah. So uh, we re- I rejoice today. Rejoice with me. Amen. We want to invite you to... Um, uh share the service or even start a watch party for the service today as we always um do encourage you to do so um we want to just let you know a few praise reports that we've gotten from people this week um one uh family wrote to us and said uh what we spoke with them our family is truly blessed our business had to close six weeks ago, and we had no income. However, we made some financial decisions at the start of all of this, and it proved to be the leading of the Holy Spirit. All of our needs have been met. Um, they have been surprised. They wrote, go on to writing about how surprised they are. It's just uh, how much how much peace they have had, how much blessing their family has had when it looked devastating at the top of this, that they have had peace, they have had blessing in their home, with their children, with their family. They even said, we have only had one small bit of strife in our home. Now, if you've had more, don't feel bad. But we've had only one small bit of strife in our home uh, with our family being all together for this past six weeks. We are truly blessed. And then we've also been uh, calling um, people in our church, people who have recently visited our church, um, people who watch us on TV, who are uh, a part of the the ministry and who give to the TV ministry. And so um, we've been calling some of those uh, people just to encourage them and ask them what we can pray with you about and uh, ministering to them and just loving them. Um, There are people that are in need and they do need us to reach out to them and we have People, uh, there's just so many things that I see and that I hear about. People in our church are looking for ways to reach out to other people. And, and it is happening. Hallelujah. Um, but uh, so one of the people that was calling, I'm going to give you a few reports of people that have been calling people um, this last week. Um, and so one lady who it was helping us call, she says, I love calling and talking to our church family. They are, oh, dear I can't read my handwriting again. (laughs) Oh, dear. Uh, Anyway, they are something. I don't know what that word is. Uh, uh, But they're upbeat, and they're claiming Psalm 91. I got ministered to when I was the one who was calling to talk to them and endeavoring to pray with people. It was good medicine for me. And um, so another person said, our church body is doing awesome. Everyone I talk to agrees that it's because we're taught every week to build our lives on the word of God. There's just an overwhelming gratefulness, and it's everyone's sentiment. To everyone that I call, so you know, I just want to encourage all of us as we know that there are answers. There are answers in the Word of God, and aren't aren't you just so grateful for the truth of the Word that we as a church family share together? Amen. Um, it it has we've just seen God hold people steady in in this time. Um, we want to let you know that uh, this uh, Thursday is the National Day of Prayer, of course. Every day is the national day of prayer for us. We pray for our leaders every day. We pray for the church every day. The Bible says praying always, but thank God that our nation does recognize the national day of prayer Uh, once a year, and it is this Thursday, and so we just want to let you know that we will be um, at 9 a.m. We will be praying together. You can find that um, on here, right on this Facebook right here. Uh, We will also send out an email um, to those who don't have social media with a link to that afterward, Um, and then also I think it's going to be on YouTube. I I just imagine it will be on all of our social media channels, so 9 a.m. this Thursday. If you can't make it at that time, just come back later and access that and pray then with us at that time. Also, we have had some questions um, this last week. You know, there's a lot of uh, information coming out daily, and sometimes you don't know when you first hear about something if it's accurate or not, so you have to kind of wait a little while to see both the accuracy of it as well as try to decipher what is actually going on because it can be confusing. So we want you to know that we will keep you updated as to changes in any way that we are doing our church services. So we will remain here um, doing the live stream from the sanctuary. We will not be doing drive-in church. Uh, Thank the Lord that that was um, approved. And there are churches now in California who are able to do drive-in church. I believe this weekend is the first time. Um, but there are uh, several reasons why we are not doing that. But just know that we will let you know via email, via social media. And for those who don't have either of those, we will call them and let them know when anything uh, changes as to what, what we are doing presently, okay? Don't worry about it. We will let you know. Um, and then um, just the last thing, just as a reminder, um, there's information about how to, should you need to um, contact us in any way about an emergency, about a need, about a prayer request, the phone number, and there's also an email address at the bottom of your screen. Please Contact us. Um, our church family is quite contacting each other, and um, we are endeavoring to do that. Um, but if if something has been overlooked, or you have a need, or you have a prayer request, please contact us. There, we want to we want to stand with you. We want to help you in any way that we can. And then also, text to give is uh, information is located at the bottom of your screen. We love you so much, and um, our thanks be on to God, who always causes us to triumph in Christ. Amen. God bless you.
1: Thank you, Miss Beth. Family, would you join us for one more worship song as we prepare our hearts for the message this morning? Father, have your way in this place. We thank you for the words that are spoken. Let our hearts and our ears be open for the things that you have for us this morning, Heavenly Father. For you are a good God. We know that everything that comes from you is good and we are expecting this morning that you meet us right where we're at, Father. In Jesus' name.
2: And all that is within me, Lord, will bless your holy name. I live my life to worship you alone. You brought me out of darkness and... To your glorious light, forever I will sing of your great love. Forever I will sing of your great love. I love to see you glorified, to see you lifted high. Yearn to see all nations bow their knee. It's you alone, O Jesus, who can cause the coldest heart to find your love in everlasting peace. To find your love in everlasting peace. this hard to find your love The time has finally come for the bride.
4: We bless your holy name we magnify you as king of kings and lord of lords we thank you for your goodness and your mercy for all the wonderful things that you've done for us and the even greater things that are yet to be seen we bless you father we magnify your holy name thank you father an anointing to teach your word. Open the eyes of our understanding, Lord, that we may see and know who we are in Christ. We bless you, Father. We magnify the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, good morning, everybody. I'm going to start in Ephesians chapter 6 this morning. Verse 10, Paul says, inspired by the Holy Ghost, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I want you to realize that spiritual strength is a choice. Paul didn't say to those of you that are just naturally strong, help the others out. But instead, the Holy Ghost is telling us, revealing to us, that we can all be equally strong in the Lord. It's up to us, it's not up to God. It's not up to anything other than our decision to be strong in the Lord. He goes on to say, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. This word wiles literally means traveling over. In other words, there's one road that the devil travels, and that's the road of deception. But if we can gain the knowledge of the truth to avoid being deceived, then he has no strength against us. He has no influence He has no means of altering our lives for evil rather than God's influence for good. So he says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high or heavenly places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand... from the beginning of this lockdown and this coronavirus situation, I've always, uh, I have consistently sought the Lord to have just the right thing to say at just the right time. And I know that I'm not the only one that does that. Everybody else, every other pastor and every other minister in the body of Christ is trying to have the, the word to say just the right thing to say at this time. But to be perfectly honest with you, the Lord hadn't really talked to me about what to say too much. I recognized that at the beginning of this thing, there was this mass hysteria, this, this fear that gripped the country, most of the country at least, about the, the projections and the number of people that were estimated to die and to be hospitalized. And none of that has come to pass. None of that has taken hold. And so as a result... There have been some things that I've been uh, talking about, uh, subjects I've been ministering on to overcome fear and to, uh, to stand against fear. But folks, we were made for this. The whole reason that Jesus lives on the inside of us, the whole reason that we have the power of God in us and upon us is for times like this. God's not worried. He's not wringing his hands in heaven wondering how long the lockdown is going to last. And the scripture tells us very specifically and very simply that the, the, the antidote for fear is knowledge. And the knowledge of God, the knowledge of his word, is the thing that holds us steady when everybody else is coming unglued around us. Here where Paul says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might... He tells us how to do that by putting on the armor of God. Now, how do you put on these things? How do you put on the breastplate of righteousness? How do you put on the gospel of peace? How do you put on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit? He's talking about gaining knowledge. He's talking about having a knowledge of what these things are, a knowledge of the the fact that the Word of God is the truth of God. The helmet of salvation is that which keeps our minds because we are stayed on Him and, and thinking about the goodness of God and thinking about what belongs to us. These are the things that, that equip us, these are the things that establish us. Now, we've talked a little bit about some Old Testament people and situations, and we've seen some tremendous things, tremendous ways that God has used people. Re- I will remind you about Joshua. Chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, it says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon even into the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and under the great sea going toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. Now notice that phrase. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. God's making a promise to Joshua that he will be with him And enable him and and equip him for anything and everything that he has for him to do. Says, I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous. That thou mayest observe to do according to all the law. Which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left. That thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that's written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Notice the number of times that God says he'll be with Joshua. Now the whole instruction that God gives to Joshua can be summed up in two different things. First of all, he says don't yield to fear. Whenever he tells him to be strong and of good courage, he's simply saying don't yield to fear. Don't let fear overtake you. He doesn't say fear won't be present. But he says don't give in to it. Don't yield to fear. Then the second thing that he says is that success is obtained by the knowledge of God's Word. And not just the knowledge of God's Word, but by meditating in the Word of God, by speaking it over and over and over again. The Bible says, Paul said, that the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. He's telling us that the Word of God is God's power. So as we meditate in the Word, as we speak the Word of God, as we think on it, and allow the Holy Ghost to open our eyes to the truth concerning the scriptures concerning the word that we're meditating on as we allow those things to become a part of our heart through the action deliberate action that we take it brings us success it brings us victory we've talked about other people in the old testament i want to go a little bit further this morning with something that i I started uh, last wednesday night and that is the story of gideon It tells us, well, let's just start in verse 1 rather than try to recap it. Let's just read it. Judges chapter 6 in verse 1. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. And because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them dens, which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. They're living in caves because of the bondage that they are under to the Midianites. And so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up and the Amalekites and the children of the east, even they came up against them, and they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth, till thou come unto Gaza, and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor ass. For they came up with their cattle in their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for multitude. For both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. And it came to pass, when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt, and brought you forth out of the house of bondage, and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians. And out of the hand of all that oppressed you, and drove them out before you, and gave you their land. And I said unto you, I am the Lord your God, fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. And there came an angel of the Lord, and sat under an oak which was in Ophrah, that pertaineth unto Joaz the uh, Abizrite, maybe, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Now, let's make a couple of comments before we go further. Where it says that, that uh, Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. It's saying, well, one minister that I'm aware, uh, acquainted with, said of this phrase, threshing wheat by the winepress would be the equivalent of trying to play golf in a closet. There's just no room for what he's trying to accomplish. He's afraid of the Midianites, and that's why he's doing things in secret and in close quarters. But the Lord appears to him and said, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Now remember that God said to Joshua, As I was with Moses, I'll be with thee. No man shall be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. Here God's making the same promise to Gideon or stating the same fact, really. He says, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Now Gideon sure doesn't look like a mighty man of valor, does he? He's threshing wheat in secret to try not to, to try to stay off the Midianites' radar. He's trying not to be found out. But the Lord says to him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Now notice Gideon's mindset. Let's see who Gideon really is. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, then why is this all this befallen us? And where be his miracles which our fathers told us of? Saying, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might. And thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? I want you to notice that God completely ignored Gideon's complaints. If the Lord is with us, he says, then where are all the miracles? If the Lord is with us, why did he let this happen? Gideon and the children of Israel are living in some pretty difficult circumstances. They're being oppressed and they're experiencing a forced famine. When it tells us that Midian, the Midianites and the Amalekites too, brought their animals to ravage the land to eat up the fruit thereof that would be for the benefit of the uh, to feed the children of Israel. So they're under some pretty extreme circumstances, forced poverty, by the Midianites and the Amalekites are helping as well. Verse fourteen, but the Lord looked upon him and said, "Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand." Of the Midianites, have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Now he's coming up with what we will identify as his attitude toward himself. He says, I'm not worthy of this. I'm not capable of this. I can't do this. I'm from the wrong family, and I'm the least in that family. But the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee. Surely I will be with thee. You know, folks, there is no promise in the Bible that's more consistently made, statements more consistently made than the one where God says, I am with thee and I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Over and over and over again, the Bible tells us that God is with us. He's on our side. He will never leave us. So the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. And he said unto him, If if now I have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. Depart not hence, I pray thee, until I come unto thee, and bring forth my present, and set it before thee. And he said, I will tarry until thou come again. And Gideon went in and made ready a kid, and unleavened cakes of an ephod of flour, the flesh he put in a basket, and he put the broth in a pot, and brought it out unto him under the oak, and presented it. And the angel of God said unto him, Take the flesh and the unleavened cakes, and lay them upon this rock, and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand, and touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes. And there rose up a fire out of the rock, and consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes. Then the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. And when Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. He's thinking he's going to die. This is not a guy that's operating from a solid foundation, from a, a, a standpoint of truth or a knowledge of the truth. So the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. Unto this day it is yet an oprah of the Abizrites. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that is by it, and build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock, in the ordered place, and take the second bullock, and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove which thou shalt cut down. Then Gideon took ten men of his servants, and did as the Lord had said unto him, And so it was because he feared his father's household and the men of that city that he could not do it by day but that he did it by night. First thing God says, first direction that he gives to him after he identifies that he's with him and he has chosen him, selected him to be the leader of the children of Israel to defeat the Midianites. First thing God says is take action to put him first. You remember in Acts chapter 19, it tells us about when Paul was in Ephesus. Well, as a matter of fact, I think I'm just going to read it. When it tells us that Paul was in the the city of Ephesus, verse 19, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 19, verse 11, it said, And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over him which had evil spirits, the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. And there were seven sons of one Siva, a Jew and chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this was known to all the Jews and the Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus. And fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Now if we went back a little bit further than where we started, we'd see that Paul has been in Ephesus and stays there uh, for a period of time that's about three to three and a half years. And it tells us that the word of God went forth so freely and so completely that all of Asia had heard the word from that one mission station In the city of Ephesus. So it tells us that there was a great work of God that was taking place and a great work of God that was going forth, being done. Then in verse 11, God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. He sets people free, he heals them, and delivers them from demonic oppression by laying his hands on handkerchiefs and aprons and transferring those cloths or leather goods to the people. And when they do that, when these things are laid upon the people, the healing power of God, the delivering power of God flows into them and sets them free. So here's a great revival, the greatest revival of anything that we have record of in the, uh, the book of Acts. But notice what happens after these seven sons of Siva try to operate on Paul's knowledge of, of Jesus rather than a relationship with God on their own. Verse 17, and this was known to all the Jews and the Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus. And fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Notice verse 18, and many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. They're believers, they're Christians. But notice what else is going on in their lives. Many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also which used curious arts brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. We don't know exactly how much money that is, but it's millions of dollars. Well, what are the people doing with those things in their houses anyway? It says they're believers. That means they've made Jesus the Lord of their life. They've believed in him. They've entered into the family of God. But look at the other stuff they have mixed in with their Christianity. They're worshiping other gods alongside of worshiping God. They're believing and sacrificing to other gods along with their commitment to Christianity. But finally, through this action, through this experience, where the power of God is shown to be greater than the power of the devil, it tells us that spurred in them, that sparked something in them to get rid of everything else in their lives and trust God as the one true God, to worship and follow Jesus and him alone. Notice the result in verse 20. It says, So mightily grew the Word of God and prevailed. So mightily grew the Word of God and prevailed. When they got rid of everything else, when they cleared their lives of every other thing and put God first and kept Him first, that's when the Word of God began to prevail in their lives. When they acted on the Word, when they stood on the Word, when they chose to do what the Word says to do, instead of mixing it up with other false idols and idol worship and other things like that. When they did that, that's when the word of God began to prevail in their lives. You remember also in John chapter 8, in verse 31, then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, these are believers, they've accepted him as the Messiah. The Bible tells us that there were a lot of the priesthood, that even though they couldn't be vocal in public about their allegiance to Jesus, that they believed on him, that they accepted him as the Messiah. So then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Well, what kind of freedom is he talking about? They're already free from spiritual death because they believed and accepted Jesus as the Messiah. They certainly can't confess him as their Lord yet because he hasn't done the work on the cross. But they do believe in the teachings. They do believe that he is the Son of God. They do believe in the character and the nature of God and God's will and his plan and his purpose that Jesus has outlined in front of everybody that, that, that witnessed his ministry. But then Jesus says there's a difference between believers and disciples. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples. Not just give your heart to Jesus. But if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples. And you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. Folks, you know the only thing that keeps us in bondage? When it comes right down to it, it's fear. It's not even the power of the devil because the only power he has is deception. And through deception through his influence, through telling lies, he creates a fear on the inside of us. We see that so clearly in evidence with this coronavirus thing. When the news media began to produce or push, promote, the estimates of the millions of people that they said would die and and have to be hospitalized and so forth, people didn't know how to overcome the fear. There were a lot of Christians that were just freaking out because of the, the, the threats that these projections suggested. Well, it didn't turn out that way. And now here we are some weeks later, and there's not the same level of fear. There's not the same mass hysteria that there was when this stuff started. Why is that? Because knowledge has been gained. Now we know what we're dealing with. In the beginning, hardly anybody had any idea of what we were dealing with. But now we know. Now through the testing and, and the, the well, just the walking through of this stuff, we see that it's nothing to fear like what we were told that we should fear. So knowing the truth means gaining knowledge of what belongs to us and who we are and what God has done for us. And that truth makes us free. That knowledge of the word, knowledge of the truth, brings us to complete freedom. Now let's go back to to, uh, Judges, back to the story of, of Gideon. God appears to Gideon, the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon, and tells him the most simple and most basic truth that there is. He says, you are a mighty man of valor. Gideon doesn't accept that. actually what he said verse 12 the Lord is with thee thou mighty man of valor Gideon doesn't accept that assessment of himself and so he starts saying why did God forsake us well we read in the early part of the chapter the reason that the people are in bondage to Midian is because they disobeyed God and, and rebelled against him it's not God that did anything it's not God that acted against them God was faithful to tell them before Moses ever died That if you obeyed the Lord, then the blessings of God would be upon you. But if you disobeyed the Lord, then your enemies would come and take you over. And that's exactly what's happened here. It's not God's fault. In fact, God operates supernaturally, even miraculously, to bring them back to freedom. And he chooses to use a guy that would seem like the the most least likely to be used to bring Israel to freedom. His attitude about himself, his opinion about himself is not anything that we would expect a leader to have. He's complaining because of the miracles of Egypt that God did concerning Egypt have not been done with them to deliver uh, them from the Midianites. And so the Lord tells him just very simply, go in this thy might. I wonder what kind of might Gideon thought he had just from the fact that the angel of the Lord told him that God was with him and called him a mighty man of valor. What strength did that give to it? We've read scriptures like that. We've read where God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And it doesn't always spark our emotions. It doesn't always spark us to recognize or to to believe, to exercise faith in having some supernatural or miraculous strength. The Bible says that the, the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us. It says it's ours. It resides in us. Well, we don't, as a natural thing, as a normal thing, we don't walk around and say, we have great strength. I'm sure feeling strong today because I read that the Lord is with me. I wonder what impact it had on Gideon. It doesn't seem to have much of an impact on him at all. But the first thing that God tells him to do after he identifies the call that's on Gideon's life is he tells him to to take down the groves to the prophet Baal. Now, it also tells us that it was his father's grove. So his father has entered into idol worship. Now, what happens when Gideon takes down this grove? He destroys all the trees that were planted. He destroys the, the outdoor cathedral, if you will, where these sacrifices are made unto Baal. Did that end idol worship? It probably didn't even slow it down except for in that one place. But what God is telling him to do, what God is impressing upon him to do, requiring of him, is that he worship God first, that he serve God first and foremost. If God's going to exercise his power through somebody, he doesn't want to exercise that power to somebody like the, the Ephesian church before they got rid of all the curious arts and the occult things, that they, products and so forth that they had with them. So God tells Gideon, pull down the, the altars and the groves where Baal is worshipped so that you can worship me and only worship me. Now in chapter 7 of Judges, the story of Gideon goes on. Then Zerubbabel, who is Gideon, and all the people that were with him rose up early and pitched beside the well of Herod so that the host of the Midianites were on the north side of them and by the hill of Morah in the valley. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many. Now the last part of chapter 6 tells us that Gideon blew the trumpet and gathered all the people. Talking about an army. He made an army out of all the people that came to him. Folks, I want you to realize something else. Gideon was not somebody in his own eyes or in anybody else's eyes at that point in time that they would be willing to follow him, that they would be willing to accept him as their leader. But when God calls you to do something, he brings people to you. He brings people to help you. And as a result, that and blowing the trumpet to gather the people that Gideon did and then the messengers that he sent to all quarters of that region, it produces an army of 32,000 people But here's how God works. Verse 2, And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many. Now, you'd think that you'd want the biggest army you could get. But that's not how God operates. He says, There's too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. And here's why. Lest Israel vault themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand has saved me. He says, If I let you go in with too big an army, then people are going to think the army did the work. So rather than a big crowd, God wants to pare it down to a smaller number. So he says, now, therefore, go to and proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And there returned to the people 22,000, and there remained 10,000. Now, I commend these people for being willing to be a part of Gideon's army, even though they were afraid. But realize this is their choice. When God says to Gideon, tell anybody that's afraid that they can go back home. Every person in that army, every person in that crowd of those 32,000 people, every person has the opportunity to be strong in the Lord or to give in to the fear. And notice the majority, two-thirds of the crowd, succumbed to the fear, yielded to the fear, and went back home. So it says, there returned to the people 22,000, and there remained 10,000. And the Lord said unto Gideon, the people are yet too many. Bring them down unto the water, and I will try them for thee there. And it shall be that of whom I say unto thee, this shall go with thee, the same shall go with thee. And of whomsoever I say unto thee, this shall not go with thee, the same shall not go. So he brought down the people to the water, and the Lord said unto Gideon, everyone that laps of the water with his tongue as a dog laps.'" Him shalt thou set by himself, likewise everyone that boweth down unto his, upon his knees to drink. And the number of them that lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, were three hundred men, but all the rest of the people bowed down upon their knees to drink water. And the Lord God said unto Gideon, By the three hundred men that, la- that lapped will I save you, and deliver the Midianites into thine hand, and let all the other people go, every man to his own place." <coughs> So the people took provisions in their hand and their trumpets, and sent all the rest of Israel, every man unto his tent, and retained those three hundred men. And the host of the Midian, the host of Midian, was beneath them in the valley. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Arise, get thee down unto the host, for I have delivered it into thine hand. But if thou fear to go down, go down with Phurah thy servant down to the host, (coughs) and thou shalt hear what they say, and afterward thy hands shall be strengthened to go down into the host. Then he went down with Phurah his servant unto the outside of the armed men that were in the host. (coughs) And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the children of Israel lay along the valley like grasshoppers for multitude, and their camels were without number as the sand by the seaside for multitude. God is going to deliver Israel by these 300 men against an army and a people that were too great to number. God's not interested in using big crowds to do things in every case. He's going to do a work, a supernatural work, a miraculous work by the hand of just a few. And so Gideon goes down to the camp of the enemy. And he hears one talk about a, um, a dream that he had. Behold, I dreamed a dream, and lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the host of Midian, and came unto a tent, and smote it smote it that it fell, and overturned it that the tent lay along. And his fellow answered and said, This is nothing else except this, uh, the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel, for under his hand has God delivered Midian and all the hosts. And it was so when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation thereof that he worshipped and returned to the host of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered unto your hand the host of Midian. Folks, we, all, we have a tendency to look at ourselves and look at our situation and say the enemies of God are much greater than we are. What can we possibly do? But God has already put the fear of Midian, uh, the fear of Gideon into the heart of the Midianites. He's given them dreams and identified through those dreams that they will be defeated and conquered by Gideon. How do they even know Gideon at this point? He hasn't done anything. He's gathered an army and then at God's direction has pared it down to 300 people. But how would they have any knowledge of Gideon whatsoever at this point? But they hear the dream. Gideon hears the dream and it encourages them. God's not trying to keep you from knowing what's, uh, what's ahead. God's not trying to keep you in the dark about his work. He's willing to show us, to reveal to us the things that the enemy is doing, but also the fear that the enemy has against the church or of the church. I, I think one of the great things that's, that, um, uh, that's going to happen when we get to heaven is that we'll have an opportunity to see that when God was at work, The devil was shaking in his boots, so to speak. The devil was more afraid of us than we should have ever been afraid of him. So Gideon takes these 300 men, divides them into three groups of 100. He gives them an empty pitcher and a trumpet. Inside that empty pitcher is a light, a little oil lamp. And so Gideon very simply tells the other 200, when you see me, Blow the trumpet, then you blow the trumpet. When you see me break the jar that's holding the lamp, you do the same thing. So here's 300 people surrounding this multitude, this group of people that couldn't be numbered. That means there's space between each one in order for them to encircle uh, encircle the camp of the Midianites. So the time comes. Gideon blows the trumpet and breaks the jar in his hand. And the rest of the hundred of his men do that. And then the 200 that were part of the army do the same thing. And it's so frightened, the enemies of God, the enemies of Israel, that they begin fighting against themselves. Gideon, nor his 300-man army, even has to do anything. The enemy destroys themselves from within because of their own fear. Now, when the Bible tells us in the examples that we use from the Scripture and the stories that are given to us, so often the devil tries to make us afraid, but he's operating in a lot greater fear than we are. He puts up a false front to tell us what he's going to do to us and how terrible it's going to be. But he's the one that's really afraid because he knows God's with us. He knows that God is on our side. Gideon becomes a mighty man of valor just like God said that he was by acting on the most basic and simple truth. The revelation that God gives Gideon is a very simple revelation, and that is I'll be with you. Folks, that phrase, I will be with you, carries so much more than we give it credit for. You remember Acts ten thirty eight. how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost in power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. God being on our side, God being with us is the power of God at our disposal. He that has offered up Jesus, the very best that he had, how shall he withhold any good thing from us? So we see Gideon becomes a part of the Hero Hall of Fame. The only thing we know about Gideon's life is this one battle that he fights. But he becomes a man of great faith according to Paul's identification and including him in in Hebrews 11. I'm going to read to you from Psalm 107, verse 17. This is a picture of Israel. When Gideon delivered them, fools because of their transgression and because of their iniquities are afflicted. Israel came under the bondage of the Midianites because of their own rebellion against God. Their soul abhoreth all manner of meat, and they draw near unto the gates of death. Well, they're not reading the word. They're not worshiping God. They've turned to Baal worship and worshiping other idols. So their soul is abhorring all manner of meat even as it's written here. But verse 19, it says, Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saves them out of their distresses. God's not trying to keep you away from him. He's not trying to keep you from experiencing his power, his miracle-working power of deliverance. And knows how he does it. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. He sent his word and healed them. And delivered them from their destruction. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Finally, folks. (coughs) Excuse me. Finally. Ephesians chapter 1. (coughs) I'm sorry. No, it's not. I moved it earlier. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 16. I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Here's Paul, inspired by the Holy Ghost, instructing us to pray so that our spiritual eyes would be opened, so that the eyes of our spirit man would see clearly what God's plan is for us. That's what God showed Gideon. He showed him that his plan was for Gideon to be the leader of the children of Israel and to conquer, uh, take back their freedom from the Midianites. That was the hope of his calling. The next thing it says that Paul prays and instructs us to pray, that we would know what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. In other words, know who we are in Christ. That very simple truth where God revealed to Gideon who he was was something that put Gideon over in an impossible situation. And finally, the third thing that Paul's praying is that we would know the exceeding greatness of his power that works in us. Paul doesn't pray we'll have more power. He prays that we'll come to the knowledge of the power that we truly have. Last scripture, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Let your conversation or manner of life be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee Nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Folks, we're in a day where we're witnessing things change at such an accelerated pace. Six months ago, there is no way that anybody on the planet could have predicted that things would have turned out the way that they have gone. There was no way that any rational human being would have looked at where we are now, the economy and the lockdown and all the other things that have taken place. There's nobody that could have predicted that. There's absolutely nobody that would have accepted that as being the things that would come to pass. But look how quickly things have changed. What the devil meant for evil and the hardship that he's brought upon us has turned to our good. Because we've seen God's sustaining power. We've seen God provide for us miraculously in the area of finances. We've seen his sustaining power of the word. We've had a chance to witness the completion of the word and the coming to pass of those things that we put in our hearts and have been putting in our hearts for years and years and years. Folks, we are equipped for the last days. We are able to carry out God's plan and purpose in these last days. God could have enabled you and me to live at any other time in the history of man. But he chose us to live in these last days because he knew we could handle it. He knew we would be faithful to utilize his word and to to see his victory through the knowledge of who we are in Christ and what belongs to us. Don't give in to fear in any respect in any way in your body or in your life. Choose to be strong in the Lord. Spiritual strength is a choice. Choose to be strong in the Lord. Choose to be strong in him. He'll see you through. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, I thank you. For the exceeding greatness of your power. I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you, Father, that, that word that we've placed on the inside of us. Filled our heart with spoken to be true. I thank you, Father, that word is sustaining. I thank you, Father, that the power of your word brings us into victory. I thank you, Lord, for the privilege to see your word come to pass, to see your power bring us through. And as a result, Father, we are more committed now than we've ever been to be strong in you and in the power of your might. Father, we pray for our president and those that are in authority. We pray that you would strengthen our president and strengthen those who are his inner circle. We pray for his advisors that they would have the wisdom of God, divine wisdom, divine revelation about what should be done. And Father, we pray that you would continue to expose the plans and the agenda of the enemy. We continue to pray And to thank you for enlightening people's eyes to see just exactly what's going on in these last days. Father, we ask you again in faith, believing that those that have willingly joined themselves to the enemy's agenda will come to ruin. We pray, Father, for the glory of God to be seen and known in your church. We therefore ask you for the rain the moving of the Holy Ghost that brings in the last day harvest, the precious fruit of the earth. We thank you, Father, for doing all these things and even more than what we know to ask. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Thank you, folks, for being with us today. Have a great day.